Hey, it's Josh Sibson. And Jake Jabour. From The Meat Improv. The Meat Improv is a comedy podcast where we bring on the best comedians in the world to tell meaty stories from their lives, and then they do improv comedy with us. You don't think we're good at improv? Check out this little snippet from Jake Jabour's real life. Hey, where's all my cats? <laughs> he never knows. The Meat Improv. You can listen to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That's The Meat Improv. Hey everyone, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Perlstein. In a little bit, we'll have Johnny Meeks on the show. But before we start, I wanted to try something new. I've been thinking about coaching for a little while, and I figured that I wanted to put it out there. So, if you and your team is looking for a coach, uh, drop me an email. Not only that, but since I'm up and coming too, I'll do a free two-hour session. I'll do free two-hour sessions. In fact, uh, I think that I know a little bit about improv. I think I'm pretty good, and I think I could help you. And I think that in helping you, you would help me. So, let's try it. Email me at improvobsession at gmail.com or any of the other ways you know how to get in contact with me. Uh, back to the normal stuff we do at the top of the show. Please rate and subscribe to the show in iTunes. Follow the blog at improvobsession.com. Like the show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash improvobsession. Thanks to the people who left new feedback. Kuma for the ripped, the divorcees, an improv team coached by Paul Welsh. Sounds cool. I'd check them out if I were you. Also, thank you to Carlos Files 81. I love puns. Good work. Uh, is that a pun? I don't really know. Anyway, and also NYAZ girl, New York, Arizona girl, who listened to the Heather episode and said it was life altering and then gave the show three stars. You know what? You guys are great. Thanks for the support. And you know what? That'll do it. Let's start the show. It's the Improv Session Podcast. It's the Improv Session Podcast. It's the Improv Session Podcast. It's the Improv Session Podcast with Stephen Perlstein. Uh, all right, hey everybody, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today. On the show, Johnny Meeks. Hello. Hey, everybody. How are you today? I'm great. It's uh, it's my birthday. It is your birthday. Happy and I can't birthday. think of a better way to spend it than in your apartment. <laughs> Speaking to a fuzzy microphone. That's, uh, gosh, you have low expectations for your birthday. <laughs> Very low. Very low. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, well, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming, uh, spending the day. I, I'm so excited. You, you, you guys can't see this, but... Stephen got a birthday gift box from Victor Bennis Bakery with four treats in it. Mm. It's really, you're mm. a sweet guy. I try. I really you're try. You're a sweet guy. I'm about to try this creme brulee. Get in there. Get in there. Um, so I'm going to, I get, I'm going to just try to attempt to run people through uh, why, where they may know you from. Uh, you're the, the long time, I guess it was former UCBA LA Herald team, Sentimental Lady, and now uh, Weekend Team Saturday Nights. They do their. Uh, uh, Confessions? No, that's not right. What is it? Why can't it? Sentimental Lady. Sentimental Lady. Guilty Pleasures. Guilty Pleasures. There yeah. it is. Yeah, I was trying to get to it, but I couldn't do it. Uh, and then there's, uh, and then now you're the new uh, education director of UCBI here? The official title is Associate Academic Supervisor. Okay. So you haven't completely knocked Joe Wangard off his throne. Is that no, the deal? No, I, I have. I've okay. completely knocked him out. Good. Um, and Will Hines in New York is the academic supervisor. Oh. Uh, so I'm running the, the theater uh, or the training center out here, but he, I report to Will. You report to Will. Okay, yeah. cool. So I want to know why I didn't get, like, an email about this. Because when Berg took over the AD spot, he sent out, like, 50 emails. There mm-hmm. were animated gifts involved. Why? <laughs> what happened? Nobody told us. Um, Berg has so much time on his hands. That's what it is. 
uh, and I don't. No, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea why that happened. Somebody told me that, and I was like, I is that true? Are you sure about that? <laughs> I can't be right. I feel Johnny like I would have heard. No, that would be a horrible decision. <laughs> uh, That's not what I said. <laughs> there was an announcement to, to all the teachers, and I guess everybody including me was like oh that's that's who needs to know but yeah that's, that's not true you're right it yeah. should have been i was got, the whole population yeah because uh i i used to every now and then go into joe wengert's office hours and just kind of bug him and be like hey man i don't know if i'm doing improv right yeah uh so now i feel like i have to do that to you yes do that i'm excited please That'll do it fun. bring baked goods <laughs> I for can, sure i can guarantee uh this will be the only day that ever happens <laughs> Um, cool. So, uh, so actually, let's let's talk maybe a little bit about a uh, new position because I think that's uh, that's an interesting and important one at UCB uh, theater, but also uh, a training center. Uh, they have a big yeah. focus on that. So, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like what what's your new role? I mean, how how long have you been into it so far? About a month. About a month. And uh, I'm still figuring out what it's all about. Yeah, uh, I have a general sense of it, and and day to day, it's a lot of like responding to. Uh, I want to be an advanced study or yeah. uh, I want a, a, a diversity scholarship and, and just responding to those kinds of requests. Uh, and we will start accepting diversity applications at the beginning of March and there'll be like a two week period and we'll set up interviews and nice. uh, that'll be a big, uh, big job. And then um, in the summer, we'll get together around DCM and start looking at the curriculum and figuring that out. And I'll be sitting in on teachers and auditing their classes and oh, cool. trying to help them, give them feedback and uh, learn from them also. And then developing like uh, new teachers is like an ongoing thing. Okay. Nice. Um, so, I mean, you, you came into this position uh, and like, I think, I feel like developing curriculum is probably in my mind, like one of the biggest and hardest parts about the thing, maybe just because I'm most concerned about it because I'm not diverse. I'm not going to get a scholarship and I'm already in advanced <laughs> study, so I don't need to bother you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I'm curious, like, do you have any thoughts about like curriculum and maybe the way we're educating improvisers in general right now or anything? Yeah, I was just talking about this and I think, uh, in terms of the core curriculum, the, the four levels, mm -hmm. uh, Joe and Will and many, many others, uh, uh, including Ian, of course, and, and uh, the other UCB4, have done such a great job with it. And it's we've been at this now, uh, well, you know, over 10 years developing yeah. this curriculum that the tweaks made to it will likely just be incremental. That's the way it's been in the last few years. Yeah. What I'm interested in is, like, uh, is broadening our advanced study program and figuring out how we might be able to um, make that a more specific program. I feel like right now uh, it's pretty much just like whenever someone feels like teaching a class, it comes up. Mm -hmm. But I would like to explore that idea and see if we can think of ways that people who are in advanced study can feel like, I know what this is. Okay. So, okay. So that's, that's interesting. Uh, you said broadening and specific in it, which was, it sounds contradictory, but I think what you mean is like to kind of expand it into a program that's an actual, maybe a program and not so much exactly. just a little bit, whatever kind of comes exactly. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that'll have, maybe it won't, maybe it's working the way it is, but yeah. that's, that's, that's what I'm immediately curious about with this position. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, as a student, I, I'm always a little concerned about it isn't the right word at all but i do wonder it from time to time like huh so are there advanced studies going on and like do i really want to do uh this one that i know will keep on showing up or do i want to wait out for like 
the one that I will find very interesting that only shows up like once every two yeah. years. Uh, yeah, so that I think that that's an interesting point, and uh, I'm excited to see maybe what yeah, happens yeah. with that. Yeah, cool. One of the problems with the that uh, and and with the training center generals, our teachers keep getting work, and yeah. You're just all too good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That that is a that is a problem in a, in a weird way that everybody, everybody's got so problem. much going on. It's a great problem. Good have, problem to have. Yeah, great great performers, great teachers, great great minds in there. And uh, yeah, how, how do you how do you wrangle it all and to, to spread the spread the wealth around? I don't know. It's a tough job. Tough job. You're gonna figure it out. And if you don't, people will email you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, cool. So I want. I guess uh, let's let's take a minute and go back. Uh, uh, maybe to your improv roots because I I don't actually know too much about it. I could have looked it up online today, and I was going to, and I didn't. But then you had to go to the bakery. Yeah, I got I had to go to the bakery, so that took get like candles. You didn't have candles. Fuck no. Who has you candles? You had to buy candles. Yeah. yeah. Do you see? I don't I don't own <laughs> like dishes, so like how am I supposed to buy candles? <laughs> you own a Roomba, and yeah. you don't have dishes. No, I got okay. I got a Roomba. I just want it to be clean. I don't I eat out. Hundred uh-huh. percent of my meals. Yeah. Uh, so I don't need all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So I had to buy candles. You could save a lot of money, Stephen, by learning to cook. And I, you know, I've honestly been thinking about this lately. I went to the store. I like was it Sunday night? I was like, I'm going to do it, and I just walked around for like half an hour, confused at everything. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I could possibly do with any of this stuff. I felt inept and sad, and then You're people were like, "Oh, man. you just need like a sharp knife and like a skillet." I put the thing on Facebook. You just get a skillet. I'm like, "What the? I don't even know what a skillet mm-hmm. is." I thought that's what you put. They serve fajitas in at Applebee's. Yeah. It's very confusing. You to didn't me. take home ec in high school? No, I took film production. Oh, uh, yeah, and I don't theater. Think they had film production. Yeah, well, I got lucky. Yeah, and uh, and now I'm frightened into crushing. And stories. now look at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my improv roots. My improv roots. I started uh, uh, improv in high school. My uh, high school drama teacher had been to. I think he he studied at Second City, so improv was big for him, which I think is fairly unusual in high school. Yeah, drama department. So drama one was improv, and drama two. Then you finally got scripts. Uh-huh. And did regular acting, which is an interesting way to think about it. Um, and he also formed uh, a team, like for my high school, and he actually got other high schools in the areas to do the same thing. And we were doing theater sports. Oh, cool! In high school, uh, competing against each other, and that was my high school team experience, which was great because I can't throw or hit or run. Or, <laughs> Really, you, you can't do any of that. You I look like a guy who would be athletic. I know I do, but I I, I uh, never I was horrible at it, and I I never liked uh, team sport competition. I was always like, I played soccer a little bit, and, yeah. and I was always the guy that was like, you can have the ball. I don't really I don't know why we're fighting over it. It never <laughs> became. Uh, that's the worst player on the team for <laughs> I'm sure. The worst that's player on the team. Uh, so, but that was a great experience. For me, uh, not just because of the improv, but because of that, I got that team, you know, I got that uh, team identification, you know, and uh, supporting each other and working together and that kind of stuff out of something that I wouldn't have, maybe not have gotten otherwise. My other big thing in high school was uh, painting. I was an individual visual arts, so I was either doing improv or in the basement art department painting at 630 in the morning. That my image of you is so shifting right now. It's really interesting. Like I, I didn't expect like a necessarily like ooh I blew out my knee and I was gonna go pro, but like I don't know. Like, oh, you probably, probably tossed around a ball a little bit. 
I inherited my dad's football body, and um, he was he was an all state. There you go, linebacker and center, and played for Vanderbilt and uh, Southwestern. Yeah. Uh, so I I uh, I keep everyone expects me to be a disappointment to him, but he was very cool about it. Actually, <laughs> he good. was cool. He was very supportive of what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I feel like growing up, a disappointment would probably <laughs> weigh heavily on you. I'm glad that's not the case. Yeah, I was told in in stand up class a few years ago that I couldn't be a good comedian because I didn't have a bad home life and I have a good relationship with my father. Yeah, that's a goofy uh, thought process. I've heard that before. But then again, I had a weird home. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, um, yeah, that, that, that is always that, that is always like a, a thing that comes up. It's like, oh, what's your like yeah. trauma as a kid? Like, yeah. I don't know. But that at, that, uh, at that time, I really wanted to be, I just wanted to be on stage. I wanted to do theater. Uh, I was, uh, my senior year, I was the, the big theater stud. That's a thing. It's a real thing. Don't laugh at that. I was uh, I was one, too, my senior year. <laughs> Get the uh, lead in all your yeah. plays and it's all that cool. kind of it's, stuff. Uh, also, I mean, I don't know if this is a weird gender bias thing, too. Also, being, like, the one straight guy in theater, uh-huh. it's great. Uh, people, people <laughs> yeah. like, really are yeah. like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. like, you just, like, like this? And yeah. it's, like, it's like a very high school weird mentality. Yeah, but, yeah and you're I around all these women, and yeah. there's not much competition. It was great. Yeah. It was good times. Uh, and I had thought I loved improv, but I'd always, I'd always thought of it as like a side thing yeah. to legitimate theater. And uh, when I went to s- school in Ohio, I went to a smaller broad school called Ohio Wesleyan University. And when I got there, there wasn't an improv group. And I started one with some folks. Nice. And that's still going today. Uh, the the babbling you're still getting residuals bishop, on that bishops babbling uh, bishops you're still getting babbling bishops residuals yes yeah, tons of residuals that's so good man uh, yeah I don't know if you saw my car but that's a 2001 Ford Focus that's that's not that is that's a college car? improv wow that's cool residual money that's good. right there I don't even know uh, and I started teaching <laughs> there I, I would lead like workshops and get people to do it was all short form yeah stuff and uh, and then I, uh, several of us moved to DC after college and I was Auditioning and doing shows uh, in um, legitimate theater around D.C., doing a lot of worked at the Folger Shakespeare Company, worked at the Source Theater, worked at all these these uh, big theaters. Um, and but we wanted to keep going with improv, and we were doing sketch as well. So I formed this little group out of alums from my school, yeah. and we're performing around town. And I also worked for um, a company called Gross National Product. I don't even know if they're still going, but it was like the Groundlings, second city of DC. That's the way they build themselves. But yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of like uh, crappy political humor, but it was paid. And that sounds like second city. Yeah. Boom. Rose yeah. <laughs> right. Uh. <laughs> uh, so I, I and then I moved out here, and I and I was still doing improv occasionally, just sort of bouncing around. But I didn't really, you know, take it as serious as I do now until UCB opened up, yeah. and I started studying with Ian Roberts's my main influence and and uh the way he talks about it and the way he treats it like a real craft yeah that was such a big aha moment in my life of like oh this is not just like a side thing this is something that you could dedicate your life to and here i am that's really cool uh yeah. and yeah and so you so you were your experience with ucb was first ucb la that's right i started taking classes in the summer of uh 2005 wow that's super cool yeah i love it so you were there on the ground floor. Yeah, this is great. Um, and then, uh, so I guess, I guess uh, 
Go, going back just a little bit, uh, you've kind of you're saying that you felt like improv is is more of a more of a side thing. Uh, was that? I mean, well, like I, I kind of just wondered, like, why did you feel that? Way? Was it more that just uh, there was, I guess, not like a clear use for it? Like, is that is that the thing? Because that's always like, would, oh, what do you do with improv? Or? I would point, yeah, I would point to the main reason is is the difference between short form and long form and mm-hmm. i had not done a lot of long form yeah. before my experience with ucb so it wasn't i mean it was i was completely blown away and inspired by ian and and walsh and besser uh studying with all of them that was an amazing experience but even without that it was sort of like the difference between short form and long form was a big uh i don't know what you say it was a big dividing line for me Going from this is a side thing to this is a legitimate craft, you know. Yeah. And I'd seen shows. I always had seen shows like at Comedy Sports in D.C. And I was doing some of this improv with this group. I was talking about this political group. Yeah. And I was always just kind of disappointed in it. I just I felt like it was limited in scope. And we were always trying to, in my own little group, trying to push short form to be more interesting, to be more... Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what we were trying to make it do. We just wanted to be better. You wanted something more out of yeah, the form. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and just didn't and really even... You didn't know that long form yeah. was kind of what you wanted. Exactly. existed, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and so and so then I guess I guess hopping into classes, because it sounds like at this point you've been doing improv for a good number of years when you started in the classes. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, I mean, what's that transition like? Because, uh, you know, that's a, it's only... Yeah, it's seven, seven years ago, but it does look, seem like a... I don't know. Like, what's that? How, how does that transition work for you? Given you've done it, done it plenty before, and yeah. what do you mean? Like, like I don't know. Like, or did you did you get into classes and you're like, oh, I'm awesome at this. I'm the good guy in class, <laughs> or was it like, oh, why do they? Why why can I say as many words as I want to? Or like, I don't know. What was going on in your head in those early classes? Uh, well, I kind of just immediately loved it. I just yeah. immediately fell in love with it. Um, I don't know that I was always. I, I don't know that I had a recognition that I was the good guy in class. I remember um, June Rayfield was in, I think, my first class with Joel Spence and June Rayfield. It was a great class. Jamie Dimbo was teaching. And she said something like, uh, we were doing a show, and I don't know why, why we started talking about this, but she was talking to Joel, and she said, first thing I remember about you is you did a scene. I thought you were so talented and amazing. And I said, what is the first thing you remember about me? And she said, I remember Jamie Dimbo just yelling at you <laughs> for fucking something up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I remember, like, D- Dimbo was so great. And she was so encouraging. I, t- I still teach a lot uh, based on the way she get, get, got everybody on the same page. You know, yeah. I learned a lot from that. And I remember uh, one of the things that she got me to do right away was stop trying to be funny. Yeah. And that was like uh, that was one of many revelations I learned. Yeah. By beginning that stuff, but I, I'd always wanted this. Is I was thinking about this this morning that even in college and theater classes, I just one of my dreams was to work kind of for a shitty black box theater. Such a strange dream, but <laughs> and now I do, and it's it's <laughs> I'm achieving that dream <laughs> yeah. of working at a shitty black box theater. <laughs> uh, so, but that was part of it. I was like, ah, this is where I always thought about that I'd like to work. You know, yeah. I thought that I'd be doing uh, Beckett and Pinter instead of long form improv, but this is even more rewarding to me in a lot yeah. of ways. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, so okay, so maybe. Uh, 
maybe it didn't start with a, a running start, but uh, clearly you you must have done good fairly quickly because uh, Cinema Lady is like one of the first uh, like. Uh, L- L.A. picked Herald teams, yeah, right? Like, yeah, there was Last Day in School and then and yeah. then Sentimental Lady shortly after that. Yeah. There were other teams, obviously, that they formed, but yeah. I think we were the first two teams out of what became the L.A. Training Center. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so get, I guess, what was the process like getting on it then? Because I, I feel like I, I don't really have an idea of what the climate is in early L.A., especially as a student. So yeah, I yeah. was on like it was it uh, auditions? Did you get asked to come do a thing? Yeah, like, yeah. it was like a, I think it was invite only audition, yeah. and I don't. To be honest, I don't really remember how they ran it. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah, they being like Seth Morris and the faculty at the time. Um, but that that was my understanding. It was like invite only for those first auditions. Um, and the first time I auditioned, that was when they formed Last Day of School. It was such a minor <laughs> event compared to what we went through last fall with yeah. 300 audition slots yeah and uh you know three days of of sitting through them this i think was just like one night and it felt like it was like 50 people maybe you know yeah. um it, but even still like i'd never i don't think i'd ever auditioned for improv and it felt weird to me so i, I totally sympathize with people who come into our auditions I, I, at the time, I was even like, "How do you even audition for improv? This feels crazy to me." Yeah, and so I blew it. I totally blew because <laughs> I was like, "Oh, they're taking this really seriously, and this is like, you know, an important thing." And I, I just was naive at the time, you know. Yeah, and I don't think I would be now because it—it's such everybody knows what a big deal. Yeah, Harold auditions are so. Yeah, you don't. You don't, there's not mis, there's no mystery going into it. You know, it's a big deal, and you know it's expected of you. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know what? There's, a f- there's a few. Uh, there, I, I found this out in the last rounds because there, were, there's a few. There's a little bastion of people who just have no idea that it's like, oh, I'm sure, hard, yeah. or like that people want slots. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. That getting, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Getting a callback is like yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because that, like, I was like, uh, that, that thing of like being stressed out about. It, I sympathize with it. I had my first auditions last year. Or, yeah, just this last round. And, um, I went, I went through and I did my, the first round I did fine. I felt really good about it. Uh, and then I got my call back and I was like, Oh no, I could get on a Herald team. Mm-hmm. And that, that stress, all that, sudden, that, that stress, they were like, Oh shit. Like this yeah. is a thing. And like, yeah. I guess I have to perform improv now. And I just remember like the, the all day I'm like, I don't know. Like what do, what do I do? How do I do improv? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Oh, and I bit it so hard. Yeah. So yeah, I have a very, very much understand that, that process of like, Oh, yeah, then when you try, it, it's the worst. Yeah. I mean, when you're trying, and that's so obvious when people are, and yeah. that's <laughs> the opposite of what you want to do, but it feels counterintuitive to not try, you know? Yeah. So I totally get it. I totally sympathize with everybody. But, you know, the second round, I, I knew what I was getting into, and I just went for it, and, and that went uh, obviously much better. Yeah. To get on that team. Uh, yeah, and Sentimental Lady uh, is a, a wonderful team now. They've been, been around for for what feels like forever. So it's the, the late seventies, late seventies. Oh, man. Jefferson airplane. You guys mm-hmm. used to come out to, it was really yep. good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so I guess, uh, like, and then, you know, as a Herald team, you, you guys do develop or anything, uh, going up through it. I mean, you, you kind of felt, uh, 
the change in what you were doing and like you obviously enjoyed uh, the new type of imp- improv and doing long form but going through and like becoming a herald team and like working up like what were, what were things that maybe you felt like like oh i'm starting to get this or i'm starting to learn this angle was there anything that was striking you as new in that process or was it just pure joy of performing with well i think all like, those nerds like <laughs> it, was, it was mostly pure joy i think like any herald team you have those growing pains yeah we had you know personnel changes after our first year like most herald teams do um and largely the work then is like trying to figure out those personalities and and trying to work with people that don't maybe don't see it the same way you do or maybe even the way that the theater does Mm -hmm. especially that may sound weird to current students but at that time yeah they were pulling in people from from anywhere and, and a lot of the herald teams were mostly io based people and they mm-hmm. you would see a herald that didn't feel like a ucb herald and we had people on our team that didn't i'm not sure that they got it in the same way that we got it you yeah, know? yeah yeah i'm trying to be very diplomatic no um, it's, it's okay you can you can throw alex berg <laughs> under the bus he's fine he's the worst <laughs> uh but it was it's been fun you know the the four of us joel Fernie and Berg have been with it from the the beginning, and and uh, you know it was it's it was always been so great to perform with them, and I think we've I think we immediately you know the, at least the four of us were very connected on what we wanted to do with that group, and then now it's been Susie Mel Todd and Mel was was there yeah from the beginning, but he 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 got moved around yeah. Um, but in terms of like the, the challenge, that's what I feel like, and I see that too working with Herald teams. The first year is just all about personality and like who are we? Yeah. What do we want to do? How do we want to approach this? What kind of team are we? And even teams that are, you know, working with John Velvet, you can still see that's that's an amazing Herald team. They're still figuring some of that stuff out. They're yeah. still we're still having debates about well, the opening should be this way or it should be that way. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about John Velvet for a minute, because I, I watch every time I watch one of their shows, uh, I'm like, God, they're the best. They're so good. I love I love what they're doing. I love everything about. Uh, they 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 excite me every time I see them. And so, uh, but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's stuff that they are working on and developing. And uh, I was talking to uh, Nick and Casey not too long ago, and they're like, Oh yeah, we're working on stuff with Johnny Meeks. And so I'm curious, like, what are you? What are you? What are you trying to? Uh, help guide them with and like what's something that maybe you're focusing on because they've because uh, who is they who is their last coach um, was it Todd or was it somebody they, else they've been working they with Todd they've that, been, I thought they, uh, I don't I don't really know yeah but right. they've been bouncing around yeah, yeah. Um, this was their idea but one thing we've been working on is is opening up that documentary opening mm-hmm. which we see so much and and trying to make it more physical and more. Uh, using an environment and stuff like that, which has yeah. been that's been really fun. Yeah, it's it's a new interesting little take on it. Um my, Billy would be upset. Yeah, yeah. Uh what I tend to work at with people is is I just I want everything to come from truth and reality and a grounded place. So that's that's where I started with them. I started to work on uh I like to work from uh acting exercises as an actor and someone who was trained in theater to try to get people to um, to make this feel like real life. I want the first beat most of the time to feel like we're exploring this in our world mm-hmm. first and then use the second beat to blow it up and to go to uh, Petri dishes and outer space and, yeah. and hell. 
So that's where I always begin with a group is like trying to get some good foundation, some good performance, some being committed to the scene, mm -hmm. making it seem plausible as to why these two people are talking to each other. I think when we do that, we're fine. We're uh, the the funny stuff that we find is so much more satisfying. It comes out of some place that seems plausible. Yeah, as opposed to starting a scene with your masturbating space chimps, right? And robots made of dildos, <laughs> which are the worst robots. They don't have digits. They can't manipulate anything. That's They're just right. big floppy masses. That's right. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I think about uh, thinking about John Velvet. It does seem like uh, everybody on that team has a really, really strong performance side. Uh, and that's not to say that other teams don't have that, but I imagine, I, I just, I, I feel like that's maybe a strong suit of, of John Vale, but, uh, so yeah, that, that, that's, that's cool. It's interesting to think about, uh, you working through them with that. Uh, and they're lovely and they're great. Uh, one thing that I, that I noticed specifically a lot when I watch you is, um, and it seems like it's something that you try to uh, teach is like I feel like you do improv effortlessly. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I can't I can't get into your head. But when I watch you. It just doesn't seem like you're like working at it or <laughs> or thinking through that. Like some, sometimes because it's not say hard, things, Stephen. It's easy. That's improv is easy. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken so many classes at UCB that tell me otherwise. Uh, no, uh, but yeah, I mean that that is something that that you do, and plenty plenty of. Good, very good performers, even you know, on teams and stuff, do have moments that where it looks like they're processing stuff, or they're like, like, okay, now what do I say after this? How can I synthesize this information, this new information, with the reality that I've already created? Yeah, uh, and that's something that I have all the, I have problems with that all the time because I'm constantly, uh, I'm much, I'm much more of a one of the analytic people and not so much one of the actor people, maybe like yourself. Um, so yeah. So like how, how, what, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I like to ask that question as if it's a real question and they'd be like, all right, pick it up for me. Yeah, pick up I, the ball. Run. I don't know where to start with that, but I, I, it, one thing that it makes me think of is, uh, it, is, is in class with Ian years ago when he would, he would say, um, people ask me all the time, do I get nervous before a show? And he, he says, no, I don't ever get nervous. And when he said that, I was like, you're crazy. You're crazy yeah. to not get nervous before a show. And I, I kind of come from this philosophy that I was really into that if you're not nervous, then you don't care or, you know, yeah, you gotta enough. be engaged in the nervous energy is, is something that, uh, brings it to us. But, but now like after doing it for so long, I see what he means, you know, um, I, and the, the lack of nervousness doesn't mean I don't care. It just means that I know if I just listen and react, we'll find something, yeah. you know? And so when you, you talk about being overly analytical, if I'm trying to analyze the scene or if I'm trying to uh, whiteboard it in my head, yeah. then I've lost that reaction. And I think that the, the honest reaction, the listening and the honest reaction is where it all begins. And then it's just a matter that the kind of whiteboarding side of your brain of understanding that reaction and building on it. Yeah. So I want that to come from a, a, a real place. So the best way I know for that to happen is for me to be in a relaxed state or to be in my natural state as yeah. opposed to something that's, that's amped up that's going to lead to a, a phony or a forced reaction. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, I'm talking about it like in like Meisner terms, you know, and I don't mean it to be that uh, I want to be comatose at all. Yeah. I want to I want to be me and react how I would. Yeah. And that comes 
the, the other side of it, the, the, not on the other side of it, but what uh, another reason why I'm like that maybe that you're seeing is that when I watch improv, that's what I like. Yeah, I like to see, you know, my uh, the people that I admire most are people like Seth Morris, the Dazariski guys. These guys that are just they feel like. That's the kind of thing they would say off stage too. Yeah, you know, and that's so authentic. Yeah, and that's what's fat, satisfying and funny to me. I'm less interested in how many references you can spit out in 60 seconds. Yeah, you know, than I am in. Wow, that felt like a real scene that eventually got completely fucking crazy. And yeah. when it did, it was so earned. Yeah, as opposed to like. I can, you can see when you see wheels spinning too much, it feels like, ah, I know they're improvising. I know yeah. that they're aware of what's going on. It, it creates this kind of meta feel that is not as interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, that's a, that's a, that's a cool, that's a cool approach to it. I do. Um, I do agree. I love, I love seeing uh, people who uh, just naturally throw stuff out there and it seems like, like, just like yeah, like you're living in it. Uh, but then again, there is there is a part of me that very much loves, gets excited when I see somebody, you know, like sometimes I feel like I don't have any specific example of this, but I feel like I'll see like Joe Wanger do something where like two kind of weird things will kind of come at him, and I'll be like, well, this, and that's like mm-hmm. my thought process to put it all together. I'm like, yeah, you did it. Like <laughs> that was hard. It was mm-hmm. a it was a puzzle that you solved. Mm-hmm. Uh, same same with a lot of the convoy guys. It's like a they, yeah. they, they wind a web. And then they untangle it, and you're like, all right, good work. Yeah, and I think when they're really successful at it, the, the references and the, the, um, the logic puzzle of it yeah. is coming from something that happened organically and authentically. Yeah. You, can, you can tell when somebody's doing it for the sake of doing it that is not germane to the emotional dynamic of the scene. Yeah. You can tell when someone's like, I'm going to try to be like convoy here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, we've all gone through that phase. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, spit out something that I remember from college, but it has nothing to do with what we're working on. Right? Yeah. It has nothing to do with the game. I find that very irritating. Yeah. I would much rather you just react the way you would. And, yeah. and as opposed to trying to show off some kind of knowledge or, Intelligence that you have. I don't think yeah. that's part of it. Um, let me see if I can rope this into some some writing terms, and uh, yeah, not even really writing terms. I think of myself more, maybe more as a writer a lot of the time, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like uh, what I'm actually trying to break myself of is approaching improv as a writer. Um, and I feel like I feel like there, there's like a common uh, common thought on, on writing is like there's two there's two types of writing. There's there's writing where it just stuff comes out of you and you whatever, and then there's editing and you you take what you that just came out of you and you make it a thing. You make it like strong and makes sense and whatever. But those those two things are sort of separate, um, generally considered sort of separate. And I feel like a lot of times I do approach that from the the editor guy. Like I feel like I approach my improv from the editor guy. It's mm-hmm. like okay, cool. I had all this all this natural stuff has come out of me from my partners and like I kind of have this idea but let me see if I can really quickly crank it into go a thing go for it go like, I'm going to have some no get creme brulee while you're cranking it out yeah and then you get into you know and then I'm like okay let me see if I can uh, process this and turn it into uh, some some comedy gold uh, in, in under a second mm-hmm. and spit it back out mm-hmm. um, and as, I mean does that sound sort of similar to like what you're saying as it, maybe Maybe your process is is more of that the the guy who just spits stuff out the creative thing as opposed to the editor thing or what I don't know yeah it's not possible to completely divide those things we're yeah. all writers when yeah. we're improvising um, Ian says that we're improv is seventy percent writing thirty percent performance I don't 
know how you come up with that statistic, but I'll take it. He's right. He must be right. <laughs> he's got it. He's, he's got to be right. He's, he's Ian Roberts. He's Ian Roberts. <laughs> um, so I, I think of myself as a writer, too, when, mm-hmm. I'm, when I'm doing that. My approach, though, is that I want the, it, again, I want that initial moment, especially when we're dealing with the unusual thing, to uh, be in tune with the context of the scene, who we are, where we are, what we're doing. I want it to come out in a believable, authentic way. So that means, again, I'm going to use myself. You know, when I'm in the scene, I'm going to react that way. Now, now it's out. And now we can begin to fictionalize the thing. That's when the editor brain comes in. That's when it becomes, that's the way I think of it. Like, this moment is true and authentic. And and what I would say in this situation, either as a straight man reacting to you, or as I want to defend this unusual thing, this is what I would say to to, to defend that thing. And now we're playing. Now we're into the writing of the scene. Now we're into, if this is true, what else is true of the scene? So I think we're. I'm coming at it from be yourself, Yeah. react how you would, find out what's funny, mm-hmm. and then we start to write. Then yeah. we start to kick it around. That's interesting. Yeah, that almost, that almost kind of goes back to what you're saying about like kind of having a, a base reality in your first beat type of thing and then kind of mm-hmm. expand it from there. Uh, it's interesting. You're, you're consistent in your thoughts on mm-hmm. improv. This is great. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would never come in trying to uh, puzzle solve before we find the unusual thing. Sure. I would never come in with like, um, my first focus is logic. My first focus is just reaction. Hello. Just yeah. authentic reaction. Is this a pizza coming too? Are you get me a birthday pizza? <laughs> I did not get you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it feels like every time I record one of these, I have something very loud happen <laughs> on my neighbor's door, which is connected like by inches away. It's, it's insane. I gotta record this elsewhere. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Okay. So so yeah. Try it. So honestly, logically, cool. Interesting. Uh, you okay? So. Sorry, you open your mouth and you're about to no, say something. Good. No, no. I'm going uh, to hop on to my next thing. Uh, uh, I also feel like you play yourself in a strong way. Like, you play the character of yourself well. Uh, and that's, uh, I feel like, personally, like I said, I'm trying to go through uh, approaching it from more a character-based uh, way now. And I feel like I'm really effective when I do that. But sometimes I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm myself in this scene. I'm me. And I and then I'm just like, well, let me write this again because I think maybe it's possible that in real life I'm just snarky and like come up with like weird non-human responses to things. That's entirely possible. Uh, <laughs> that may be who you are. Yeah, it might be. That you might just be, be some me. kind of freak. I, <laughs> that's it. Uh, so, but like, yeah, I mean, how is is there a way that you uh, approach scenes as yourself to like not be like me? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, you, you have to. You have to uh, to be a, a good writer. You have to have a point of view about life, and you yeah. have to have a philosophy about uh, about life, and you have to be able to uh, react to almost anything and have an opinion about it. Yeah, and that's why we start when one hundred and one with the pet peeve chorus. You know, is yeah. like let's focus on let's just hear what you have to say about things, and. Uh, that's that's my challenge, I think, as a teacher, is when people are trying to approach it as, like, I want to give you... I want to treat improv as though it's some sort of logic-based puzzle. 
I don't ever hear their opinions. They're saying they're trying to solve a problem without ever telling me how they feel about it and how yeah. they react to it. And that's that's the thing that I will do a lot with beginning improvisers is you're going through this scene and you think you're yes anding, but you've never told me how you feel about what's going on in it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So tell me how you feel about what's going on on in it. You know, what does Steven really think about this robot made of dildos? Approaching him, you told me a little bit about yeah. it. You think it's an ineffective robot, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but what would we do now if one walked into your apartment? Uh, first, we check you the don't. Locks. You don't have to answer that <laughs> rhetorical question. No, okay. Fine. I, I wanted to talk about robot dildo thing all the time. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I feel. I feel like there. There's a uh, maybe people like me who approach improv in the, the logical way because because. You know what it is? Is I think I think I, you can get hung up on the idea that you're all making this. You're making this up, and you have to find a consistent reality. And then, what I feel like I have done, uh, and what I'm not doing so much anymore, but it was like take it upon myself to go. All right, I'm going to make sure that this reality exists. I'm going to I'm going to like I'm I'm maintaining. I'm going to personally maintain that this reality is a possibility mm-hmm. by whatever I say and whatever information comes in. I'm going to try to weave it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then yeah, and then the problem with doing that, like you're saying, is like yeah, you're pushing things maybe forward, you're keeping it on track, but also it, it's almost like it, none of it matters to you. It's like that the way they say you, they say you make it matter, make make yeah. things that say matter. Well, yeah. if, if you're just like, well, I'm just like I'm keeping I'm keeping everything together. I'm holding the world on my shoulders. I'm Atlas, and Ayn Rand is very proud of me. Uh, what like well then like what is what is, what's going on in your brain though like we're not we don't why does it matter well I, I, again I think like after we found our unusual thing I think that's when you bring in your editor brain your logic yeah. brain and we figure this out we we solve the the puzzle of if that's true yeah. what else is true we we heighten we find more examples of it yeah and we explore it we defend we defend and justify and work on the why of it that's when your brain should be engaged but i'll give you an example of somebody i think there's tons of people who are very good at this yeah um one person that always sticks out to me is renee goubet mm-hmm. when he is when something is initiated to him his reaction 100% of the time makes me laugh yeah, because it feels real and it feels like that's what Renee would do in that situation. And then his job is to figure out as a straight man normally when, uh, when we see this, what, what else or how can I help play this? Yeah. What is it about my scene partner's environment that sticks out to me that plays this? How yeah. can I challenge them with the logic and also help them at the same time? But I think that reaction that he gives in scenes is so funny because of its authenticity yeah you know and he's he's got a great face yeah he makes a great <laughs> he has these great facial reactions that are true you know yeah he's never forcing it and yeah. it just comes from this real place and then we get engaged into the fiction of the scene do you yeah. know what i mean totally yeah uh i'm just i'm just imagining renee doing scenes now and it's <laughs> it's wonderful um, okay. So, so yeah, you just trying to come up with natural real reactions or not come up with, have, have natural, them. Yeah. Have natural, have them real reactions. Um, yeah, I like and that. I think it helps the, the writing phase of the scene too. I, I'm sort of making that up this idea of the writing phase. I don't know if that makes any sense, okay. but the, <laughs> I remember working with, with Ian and we were in a scene was in a scene with somebody and we were at a funeral 
and I said some bullshit line, and he knew it, and he stopped me, and he said, "What did you? What were you thinking when you um, said this bullshit line?" And I told him about the story of my grandma's funeral when my brother and I snuck out because we didn't like the food at the funeral <laughs> and got Crystal Burger, which is like the Southern White Castle, yeah, and brought it back, and it really upset my dad. And and as I was saying that, I was like, oh, that would have been so much better yeah. in the scene. And that that is truth. That is the, the real thing. And that's not me uh, becoming like a brilliant uh, writer in a, in a two-second period. That's just me breaking through barriers to get to what's already there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that a lot of people feel like improv is this, I just have to speed up the way I write. I, I don't know. I, that doesn't make sense to my brain. My brain works better when I say, "How? what does this have to do? Let me use analogy from my real life. Uh, how, what would I actually say in, in this situation? Yeah. I use that to 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 uh, uh, respond to the unusual thing and then to, to heighten and explore it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I feel uh, – I've, ta- I've talked about this before, but I do feel like uh, that everybody – if they're if they're a hundred percent honest, whatever happens in inside the, the thoughts or whatever, if all that comes out, just a hundred percent honest, unfiltered way, I'll probably there's a good portion of it that's funny, just because it's yeah. so it you know in that in that way that funny funny stuff resonates with you like oh I get it, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know I I think uh, I, the other the other day I, I came home from like out and I was like excited because my room had been freshly vacuumed. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. I love coming home to my apartment. I had like mm-hmm. that great, you have a simple life. So. I was, I know it's so <laughs> sad, uh, but I can't, no, I was, I was so, I was like, Oh, I love, I love coming back to my apartment. And then I, but I just, then I thought like, Oh no, but like everything I was just doing was really a lot of fun. I'm like, I love like my life. Like everything's great. Like my outside my apartment, it's great inside my apartment. It's great. And then I walk into my bedroom and I realized I left my backpack in my car, I was like, oh, fucking everything sucks. <laughs> and I really meant that. And I just was like, what the hell, man? You were two seconds ago. You were so happy. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, like, it's like that. It's that, it's that unfiltered, uh, uh, quick reaction feeling. These things that, uh, just kind of where, where you and, uh, and I, I find a, a lot of comedy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. Um, okay. So poor less witness. Um, uh, when I said you were coming on the podcast like 20 minutes ago, everybody was like, Buenos Buenos, Buenos Buenos, you got Buenos Buenos. So I, uh, everybody wants to know about it. And also I want to know about it because I heard it like a year ago and I have no idea what, I still kind of like, don't know what it means. So let's, let's talk about it. Let's this talk is, this about is a Johnny Meeks original, Buenos. I think. Uh, it's, I wish I could take more credit for it. Just but take it. <laughs> I'll take credit for bringing it uh, into the improv world it, it's it's a it comes from an acting exercise uh or I, I shouldn't even say exercise that my wife uh got her mfa from penn state and one of her acting teachers i got to know and got to study with uh who he, I, th- I think he came from the meisner world but it, one of his things that he had us do was serious improv Mm-hmm. And it would uh, it would be two people, and so I, I, I run his exercise with improvisers. Uh, when I was doing it, even before UCB, I thought this would be amazing for comedy improvisers. This is something that we need. And and as soon as I got into Ian's classes, uh, I started to see parallels between this work. Yeah. Um, 
the I think the one thing that, that made me think of that exercise, uh, which which uh, Manuel Duque is his name, he's a Spanish guy, and he would do what he called yin yang scenes, uh, and we we do them as breakup scenes mostly. Like if you get you and I were going to do this, we'd figure out I'm going to break up with you, mm-hmm. and then the goal of the scene is you want to keep the relationship going. Uh-huh. And I want to uh, break up with you in a way that you won't hate me after the scene, or you won't think of me as a bad person. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'll get to that in just a second. And what made me think of that exercise was when Ian talks about uh, all humans pursue pleasure and avoid pain. Mm-hmm. What I took from that is like we don't go into a scene. Uh, I'm not going to go into this improv scene with you, and the first line is going to be "fuck you, I hate you." Yeah. Or uh, I want a divorce. Or Hey man, I want to punch your dick a bunch and then take a hammer to your skull. Yeah, and you see that a lot with, with improvisers at all levels. That's, that's, that's my the go-to imp- initiation. <laughs> I want to punch yeah. your dick a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to just punch it. I want to <laughs> yeah. punch it a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's not funny unless you do it a lot. Uh, and so when I started coaching and teaching, I was seeing this a lot. That people are trying to make meanness into a game or. They're trying to to make pain into a game, yeah, uh, the, or the pursuit of pain into a game. Uh, you see it at all levels. You see it all the time. Uh, whereas the scene falls apart very quickly because who in their right mind would stay in a scene who's with someone who's punching my dick or wants to punch my dick? Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't play with that as a funny idea, but it means we have to change the way we treat each other in the scene. So in these breakup scenes, which I do, I'd run as a serious scene exercise. I'm going to use poor las buenas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to use it if I'm breaking up with you, because poor las buenas will help me think of. Uh, it might change my mind about the breakup. Okay. So you're going to show me that you're a great guy to yeah. be in a relationship with. You're going to show me, and I can just tell me you're going to show me. And we use poor las buenas to do that. I'm going to use poor las buenas. To when we leave this breakup scene, we'll be broken up. But you'll think, man, Johnny did that in a stand-up way. He's a good guy. So poor less plainness loosely translated means the good path or Mm -hmm. the good way. So that means that I'm going into the scene pursuing pleasure even in a breakup. I'm doing my best to do that. And I think that at the end of the day, even though real-life breakups don't go well, Yeah. At the end of the day, everyone would have to agree with me that that's the goal of a breakup. Yeah. That you don't want it to end in a, a, a dramatic throwing bottles against the wall, tipping over your flat screen television kind of way. You would right. wish that it would go in a good way, or you wish that the relationship could keep going. Yeah. And it, what it does, a, 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 the benefits are that you. Um, you, you don't make stupid bullshit moves as much. Uh, an example from the workshop that I did with Manuel would be, he would say like a bullshit move is if we're breaking up. If you were to say, let's go see a counselor, let's go see a relationship therapist. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit. That doesn't have anything to do with the, with the scene. You're trying to end the scene. Whereas we should try to keep it going and you should show me, you know, we're really good together, Johnny. We eat, creme brulee (laughs) I got you this for your your birthday right I think you're an amazing improviser probably the best in the world definitely (laughs) 
Definitely the best. Those are things that would keep me in the scene. Yeah. Right? So this is going to help then when we do this scene where I come into the room and I say, hey, man, I want to punch you in the dick. Yeah. A bunch of times. But you know what? I think you're a great guy. The punching in the dick thing is just like, that's my philosophy. I want to do it because I feel like we go through life without ever feeling anything. Uh And this is such an immediate great way to feel something. So now I am already in the business of why because I'm not trying to pursue pain. I'm trying to pursue pleasure. Yeah. And the why, as we know, is going to make the scene richer, deeper, more interesting. There'll be more exploration in addition to the heightening. Yeah. That's um, that's interesting. I, I, that's a, that I've, I've had this explained to me before a couple of times, and I, I never got it like that, and I love that. Uh, because, yeah, I feel like you can find yourself – I found myself plenty of times, or, or my scene partner in a scene where it's like, I don't know why I would remain in this scene. I don't know why I would ever talk to you. Yeah. I'm, I and it's just like well I guess I'm gonna go like yeah. if you're if you're so awful right that like you're 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 keep on telling me you're gonna punch me in my, in my dick I'm like well I guess I can just walk out there's nothing really keeping yeah. me here and if you use poor Las Buenas then you are giving yourself a why to stay yeah. in the scene yeah. I don't want you to punch me in the dick but I really need to be with you because of X Y Y yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it like so Ian says you know all humans pursue pleasure and avoid pain I would say use poor Las Buenas play to the the height of your self not just the height of your intelligence be your best self in the scene Susie Barrett would say it uh, the great Susie Barrett says it like every uh, scene I'm in I I, in the back of my mind I have I'm kind of paraphrasing I hope I'm doing her justice the back of my mind I have this idea that I might wind up sleeping with this person yeah and I don't want to screw that up yeah and if we make those stupid moves we're screwing it up yeah I try to get all of my students to do, even in a Herald and a first beat scene, approach it like this could be a 20-minute scene. This could be a mono scene. Don't yeah. go for the out. Don't try to end the scene. Try to extend the life of the scene so that it becomes more satisfying. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm staying on this, this poor minus thing and letting it saute in my mind. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That um, and that you know that that is uh, maybe a more specific type of scene that that creates. I don't, not to say that uh, it's any type of a, a lesser of a scene, but that uh, I don't know. No, I feel like maybe that'll work on types of all across <laughs> across all types of scenes. I was, I was gonna say maybe you, you want to do that for just generally more grounded, slower play. Uh, but we could probably use that in everything. Yeah, you be totally fine. can. Still I mean, th- that's my point is if if you're in a pattern game and someone generates the idea of, uh, I wish I could punch everybody in the dick a bunch of times, how are you going to approach that when you yeah. get into the Herald or whatever form you're doing? How could you possibly initiate, hey, man, I'm going to punch you in the dick a bunch of times yeah. without having without being able to back that up, without being able to say, I, I'm going to do it a bunch of times. And I think it's a good thing for both of us yeah. to do that. Yeah, if you can if you can come off with that that logic or thought process in a way that people can get on board with, then you can get what you want. Yeah, to punch a bunch of dicks. Yeah, that's interesting. I really like that. I why didn't anybody fucking explain it better? <laughs> like a year ago, I, I could have been know. doing all kinds of good stuff. I don't know. You've wasted your life. I yeah. have. What the hell? <laughs> 
Um, that's awesome. Uh, is there okay? Uh, is there any? Is do you have any other uh, weird uh, Johnny Meeks exclusive philosophies? I don't know about because I know Portland's Buenos is one, but I, I don't know. Yeah, and I hope that's not others. exclusive. I think I think you know I've I, never heard it before. I, <laughs> I, I bring it up a teachers. lot, but it, I find that you know I, I I did when I started working with John Velvet, we started doing yin yang scenes. We started to do this, and we started we'd spend a couple of sessions on it, and what I. I think that wasn't the first time it occurred to me, but it occurred to me this is one of the better Herald teams on the planet, and they they naturally do that. They naturally have poor less plans. I think the good teams are already doing that, but what helps is to to know about it or to name it mm-hmm. so that you're always doing it. You know what I mean? And this will come up now when we're running Heralds or something. I was like, well, if you had a little more poor less planets in that scene it wouldn't have been edited yeah. within 45 seconds you yeah. know what I mean you would have extended the life of it and we would have gotten a satisfying why out of the scene you know if you listen to Ian on podcast or whenever he's talking or whatever he's always talking about we should be exploring more in our scenes Yeah, anybody can heighten a monkey can heighten in the scene not everybody what makes the difference between a scene that, that has a uh, a good like let's say we're going to play the the game of unprotective father this this prom scene example that a lot of teachers use where the dad is encouraging the daughter to go out and stay out as late as she wants drink booze yeah stay in a hotel room with this guy and he's giving her the kama sutra before her prom night and that yeah. kind of stuff uh you could see that in 101 and they're able to heighten and they're able to find booze hilton reward points Kama Sutra, strap on dildo. Yeah. They're able to do that. And then you're going to see two great improvisers, Alex Fernie, Mike Still, do that scene. And the difference between the two, they might even hit the same heightening on it, is the exploration. Yeah. Is the why. And I think that, you know, everyone says, oh, Johnny Meeks teaches slow improv. I, I detest the word slow. Mm-hmm. Slow is not what it is, it's patient. Yeah. And Mike and Fernie are going to be more patient. Even if that means they find it in two lines, yeah, yeah, it's uh, there's like a there's something particularly particularly miraculous about milking a lot of comedy out of the Hilton Rewards Point level of that. Like there is, uh, and, and kind of getting into the philosophy of that. Well, you need it for this, and you know, there's, I don't want that. I don't want it. What it like that? The kind of getting the real uh, perspective on it, and the and all the, the maybe the truth out of it. Because, uh, because yeah, listing kind of rattling off heightening is easy. Like that gets that gets really easy really quick. Uh, and you're like, oh, I can go to, and mm-hmm. that's why you have, you know, as I think was a thing that we've been shifting away from at the school. But like, uh, uh, you know, things on the moon and the president and surgery and uh, angels and God. Like you have those things very quickly mm-hmm. because it's like, well, that's the easy. That's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's the biggest craziest thing in the world, but uh, being able to really explore all the implications of giving your daughter booze for her prom night is uh that's a little bit tougher like that mm-hmm. that that requires you to invest in the reality mm-hmm. and uh and yeah like actual thought mm-hmm. mm. i gotta do all this stuff now this is hard <laughs> this is really hard it's easy wrong, <laughs> it's, easy. it's, easy. Proud it's easy. easy i love that you keep on saying it's easy uh why? Why? Let's. Why? Why do it's you say not, that? It's not easy. I'm totally being. Facetious. Are you just being mean? No, okay, no. But I do think it's simple. Yeah. And easy and simple are obviously not the same things. Yeah. Uh, but th- that's what struck me uh, when I started to play with the people that were teaching me. Uh, 
and, and doing ASCAD and stuff like that is how simple everyone's approach is and how smart that is. Yeah. How smart it is to just say, I want to, uh, I'm uh, the way I like to think of it, an initiation off of a monologue or something is you're just serving a volleyball. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be fancy or anything like that because someone else will set it and spike it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and but you know, you serve it to the other team and then if you don't do it right, they can score on you and you'll lose. Right. Yeah. Are you just going over the rules of volleyball? Now? <laughs> okay, well, I was saying, if you're just serving a volleyball and it doesn't have to be complicated, then you could lose if you don't do it right. Yeah. I, th- I think clearly you're not a sports guy. <laughs> no, that's why I was on an improv team in high school. Uh, I, no, I, th- I take your point. Uh, it has I was to just, be done. I was just being mean. I know. I get it though. I, and I think that's an important thing to bring up. It has to be done well, no question, but it should be done simply. Yeah. And there's like two ways to hit, serve a volleyball, right? Yeah. Overhand or underhand. That's it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that uh, when you watch ASCAT or any of the really great teams of smokes, it just starts with this simple idea. Yeah. And then we invest in it and go for it. And I find, uh, especially like in 301 and 401, students are really overthinking it, overcomplicating it, adding too many elements to their initiation. And we just need to get through that phase of we found the unusual thing we have a human reaction to it and then you yeah add complexity you add layers to it in the way you play it yeah you learn you learn just enough about improv to do it all wrong i feel like that's <laughs> like like i i took a I took a retook a 401 uh not too long ago when i had finished 401 like two years before that it was really interesting because there are plenty of these things where like these you know these guys are coming up and they're like well, that was just from the opening. Like, I can't use that, so I changed it to this and this. And, mm-hmm. like, I thought that the, and you're like, yeah. Well, like, how was I supposed to follow that? Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're talking about yeah. at all. And if you and, can't, then the audience can't. Yeah. And then we're we're putting a wall up around the work. Right. As opposed to, you know, I'm just dropping names left and right on your podcast. As I opposed to what Walsh would say about we should do long form for people who've never seen it before. And yeah. I, I really believe in that. That doesn't mean it's dumbed down or stupid. It means that it's we're making connections with you and me, with our team and with the audience. Right. The whole room is full of brain connections. Yeah. Uh, and surprise us with the exploration and the heightening. Don't surprise us with the initiation. Make it simple. Yeah. Make that, it clear and simple. I think, uh, you know, I think the thing is, is like they see, you see, you see your, your favorite improvisers, uh, do improv and they, uh, they they finesse things so like in the open like I I watched Cinnamon Lady Saturday and there was a there was this thing where the guy liked to listen to like this Latin radio thing because it reminded him of his home and he, at one point he had said um, you know it's just it's just not too like taxing on my brain in mm-hmm. the morning uh, and so and everybody picked up on that is like silly everybody laughed uh, and then and then you started a scene where you said like oh, I'm just going we're going to wait in the lobby for the movie theater. Uh, I don't want to see the previous two taxing on my brain. Now, I think what happens is people go like, oh, he didn't use that exact same thing. He can't. He didn't use radio taxing on his brain, uh, so he he changed it. And what really is, you didn't really change that much. You kept the funny, simple thing that everybody's mm-hmm. going to understand, taxing on your brain, mm-hmm. and you moved it to a movie theater. And I think that's where people get confused. It's like, well, you didn't do the same thing, so I can't do the same thing, so I'm going to take taxing on your brain, and I'm going to make it yeah. taxing on your heart, and it's going to be in a basketball game. And now we'll know, because it's a different body part, it's the same thing. I'm A to seeing it. And you're like, 
No. Right. I don't know We're what that not is. seeing anymore. <laughs> and I think that it, it, another thing that happens is they'll 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 try to do taxing your heart or whatever, yeah. but they won't use the word taxing. Yeah. And if that's what was said, then that's the connection that we make. And you could see I think it was I think it was challenging. He, that was the word he used. Yeah. wasn't taxing, but you know, as soon as you say challenging, yeah, everyone in the audience they get it, they get they and yeah. they they laugh, and it's not magic. It's not because I'm a funny person. It's because I just repeated what the guy said, yeah. you know. And that's the simplicity and the beauty of it. And you know, all of our favorite improvisers, none of them are over complicating it or trying to challenge the audience with the way they they get into the game yeah and then we find the game then you are i think you are trying to challenge us with how it's played yeah but it, it should be simple it's uh yeah it's yeah caught like like people try to concoct a lot in that first one and it's and it's kind of like it's again kind of like what you're saying is you want you want everybody kind of on board and set maybe simple in the beginning mm-hmm. you want you want people to just mm-hmm. understand what's happening mm-hmm. uh also in that one there was uh uh the the one Latin uh, non-party yeah, station. That like, was that, my like, that's, favorite initiation of that show. That's really that funny. Market. That's really so funny. Really simple and really funny. And it's like, okay, so there are Latin. He made a big deal about this Latin party station. So it must mean there are Latin non-party stations. So like, <laughs> <laughs> just do that, and that's simple. Uh, and it's not. It's not like okay. Well, what if it was. Uh, Reggaeton uh, cocktail <laughs> yeah. party. Yeah. So it's like, well, shit, man. Don't like, go too far down the rabbit hole. Like, you found hard. it. You found you, it. You got that far, and that's all you need. And we'll find it in the game. And I think it is very common. I'm sure you run into this of students thinking that premise and game are the same thing. I have trouble with it all the time still. I, I'll admit the it. The premise just is that this is a non uh, party Latin station. Mm-hmm. The game is figuring out what that means. Yeah. Uh, so students will often say, like, well, the game that Mel uh, was playing when he said that line, well, he hasn't gotten into the game yet. He's laying out a premise. And you could play that any number of ways. What does a, a non-party Latin station do? Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily mean the way we played it. It could mean all sorts of things. Yeah. So that's, that's the difference between premise and, and game. Helpful? I understand. Uh, it's funny because it is a fine line because even if you define it, because if you go back and define the game, you're like, oh, well, that's still it was that we were doing a a, a Latin non-party station. That's still the definition of the game. No I mean, question. I think I think the, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. So no, so I was, so I was saying like you, if in in that example, uh, the the premise and the game are the same thing. Or uh, you would say like the Latin non-party party station. So. Uh, but but they are two separate things, I guess. It's still, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're weaved together in this complicated way. Yeah, and, and I don't know if anyone knows what we're talking about because they didn't see the scene, but yeah. it, the way it was played out was uh, Joel would, would call in and he would say, I'm at work. And just That's all he would say is, I'm, I'm at work. So And then Susie followed up on that and they started to build a pattern off of like, well, what happens at this non-party Latin radio station is that people just call in to say they're at work. Right. Whereas it could have been Joel could have made a move like um, he calls in and says, we're going, let's work on uh, immigration reform. Yeah. Or let's work on, um, let's talk about uh, Microsoft's problems with Windows 8. Yeah. And those are three different ways to play out that game. Yeah. Based on the premise of non non party Latin station, yeah. So yeah, so not so maybe like uh, 
I don't know. We're use more terms like it's going to help. It's not. Uh, I was going to say non-party. Let me fill, fill yeah. that out. So if we say there's a marquee above every improv scene that's got the title of the game on it. Yeah. You, the title here is just like non-party Latin station. Mm-hmm. Colon. People call in from work just to mention their work. You know yeah. what I mean? Or colon. People call in to try to solve major political social issues right colon people calling to ask, ask tech questions yeah do you know what i mean that's the difference between the game yeah the games that the way we played it but yeah the game the game was the more uh specific way that that the the premise is attacked yeah. and followed through yeah i think that's one way to think about it yeah uh, well god so we we solved it all <laughs> Everybody who's listening better just be awesome from now on. I want real reactions, yeah. not crazy initiations. And yeah. now you understand the difference between premise and game. <laughs> Guys, we did it. Poor Les Buenas all the way. Poor Les Buenas. We had some creme brulee. Creme brulee. You haven't had anything. I know. I, I, got, I got distracted by starting this thing. Um, okay. So, uh, you know what? Let's, 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 let's wind down, and then I'm going to eat all that. Uh, uh, Pearls of Wisdom segment, classic segment. Uh, advice, feedback, note, something that you got, something that you think uh, you, you still use today, something that affected your improv, something that... Um, Pearls of Wisdom, all of your chips. Pearls of Wisdom. I should, have, I should have come prepared. It's okay. Nobody ever is. <laughs> is that I, right? Is there like a mumbling period yeah, with this where yeah, people are like tra- stretching to find something? Yeah. Charlie Sanders had a really good tip and he goes, just point at something in the room and talk about that. It's like, he, like, he points like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's a computer. I built it. He's like, okay, cool. Now I've got my answer. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I mean, you could do that if you want. You can just point out something <laughs> in the room and try to distract me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to steal Charlie's bit. I mean, that sounds like Charlie's bit. It's Charlie's bit. I would, I would have. That would have been the whole show description is fucking Johnny Meeks comes on here biting Charlie Sanders' bit. It's not cool. I I think, I don't know, if we've already kind of talked about this, but I think my um, pearl of wisdom or just observing, observing auditions, coaching for seven years, teaching for six years, is, uh, is simplify, is listen and respond. Listen and respond. And, and don't uh, tell us what you really think in the scene. That that's everything. That's really everything. And I, I there was an audition sometime in the past for Harold's. I'm going to make this as general as possible. <laughs> Are the, you going to talk the about guy my scene? Got oh my on the team and got a laugh simply because he did that. Yeah. Simply because he said an honest thing in a moment. Yeah. And he was not trying to be funny. Yeah. You got to stop trying to be funny. Yeah. That's it. All right. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Cool. You'll never stop. You never stop trying. I, I have. It works. It really does work. But it's also uh, tough. It, yeah. It, it, it's not. It's not that easy to go. Like you can. And I, I do. I feel like it's I do it plenty. But it's not easy because you go because you do feel that expectation and you also feel that pressure of like, well, I think I'm funny and I think I'm good at improv and I think I will deliver laughs. And after a minute, if something doesn't happen, you're like, yeah. I gotta do something funny here. I gotta do. I gotta do something. I know I'm funny. I've done this before. It's worked out, uh, and that pressure comes back. And it is. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I was just talking about this last one I had. Uh, this last podcast podcast I had. It's a lot of improv. I feel like is a good portion of it is just fighting down that fear of like that you have of yeah. trying to be funny or trying to understand what you're doing or all that. It's just it. it it's, it's just getting comfortable. No question. 
the quicker you do that, the quicker you let go worrying about that, the, yeah. the better you'll, you'll be, the quicker you'll, you'll be good at this. Yeah. Just stay in the scene. One day. One day. Um, all right. Uh, Johnny, uh, so that, that's it. Do you have anything uh, you want to plug or share with the, the whole world that listens? Yes. Toledo Rep. Toledo Rep. Good work. Uh, room 101 this Wednesday. Is Not going to be up in time. Because that's It'll tomorrow. be up. Uh, that's right. Yeah. It'll be up uh, at UCB last Tuesday of February. Cool. Yeah, check, check out Toledo I'm doing Downton Abbey right now. They're a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, we could have talked about Toledo Rep for an hour, but we're not going to do that. All right. Cool. Next time. Thanks so much, Johnny. Thank you. <laughs> All right. That was it. I hope you learned something and you're going to start living your life. Boy, let's win us. <laughs> like I said before, I'm looking to do some coaching. Sessions are free. Uh, so shoot me an email at improvobsession at gmail.com. couple of show plugs. February 4th, 10 p.m., Stix Martin is doing Cherry Crush on the main stage of I.O. West. February 6th, 7 p.m., Stix Martin is doing Room 101's Herald Night at the Clubhouse. February 7th, 11 o'clock, Stix Martin is doing the Tiny Marbles Giant Hour at the Neon Venus. February 8th. 8 p.m. Distant relatives at the improv space. And last but not least, in fact, this is the most, I don't know, whatever, just go to this one too. February 17th, 10 p.m., Dumb Shit Mountain at the IOS main stage. That's my sketch team. It's going to be great. Uh, I've been telling you I'm going to direct this video. I finally actually shot the video. I think it's going to be pretty good. Anyway, that's it. Have a great life. <laughs> what a weird thing to end it with. Uh, Golden Age Improv. Happy improvising. Be excellent to each other. Uh, rock and roll. Shoot me an email. Uh, thanks, guys. Have a good day. Bye. Hi, Sex and the City fans. Megan McKeever here. Check out my podcast, Cosmos and the City, where I'll be watching through the entire series of Sex and the City with a slew of fabulous guests. Each week, we'll be talking through everything from who wore what and why to the hottie of the week. So grab a drink and join me on my journey. Thanks, and be sure to subscribe to Cosmos and the City in iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.